The Last Word with Matt Cooper. And you're welcome back to The Last Word. It's Ian Guider in for Matt today. And their panel for the week trending is here. Journalist Lee's Hand and also Owen Tomas McDermott, Managing Director of the Communications Clinic. Good evening to both of you. Owen, I'm going to start with you. I presume yesterday afternoon you were in the office looking at the Public Accounts Committee having previously the day before watched the Oireachtas Media Committee and thought to myself, well... This can't get any worse. <laughs> yes, indeed, Ian. Who could have thought it could have got any worse? I think uh, Alan Kelly referred to it as the most extraordinary pack he had ever attended. We saw James Collins from uh, Cena Falls saying it was a catastrophic failure. And then when you see terms like clandestine, concealment, defrauding... Slush funds, words that should not fund. be used in any connection with in any, any organisation. No, 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 Precisely. These are the words that were jumping out, so it was not good. And then you would look at to say, yes, when you would go to something like PAC, part of your objective is to make it better. Whereas, in fact, what ended up was that it just got worse. The central issue in relation to the payments still was not clarified or cleared up. And also interesting facts in relation to the invoices uh, from Noel Kelly to RTE via the CMS marketing and how they were described for consultancy payments. And then when Deloitte raised this with the CFO and the CFO then went and raised it with D Forbes uh, that it seemed that um, according to D Forbes and certainly according to the CFO yesterday that RTE were being advised on their positioning during COVID when in fact this was for a payment for Ryan Tuberty. So you had that aspect. The CFO had a bad outing himself where in preparation for these types of things... that's an understatement. Yeah, but in preparation for these types of things you would say, okay, well look, what are the obvious questions we're going to be asked? And then are there ones we don't really want to get asked and one of them might be how much you're earning and that was just excruciating to watch the two minutes where he figured out or kind of tried to figure out given that he didn't seem to know exactly what his basic salary was that was excruciating so it wasn't an ideal and I think they're coming back for a, for another uh, another dance next week and Tuberty and Kelly have been invited to another one in a fortnight's time so this is just going to keep going through July uh, which again is not going to be good for lots of people in RTE. Least every now and again we get new words introduced into the Irish language. During COVID it was things like wet pubs and this week what was introduced into the lexicon was barter account. Now there are many people I'm sure in advertising and this building and other radio stations and companies think well that's pretty standard. Most members of the public haven't an idea what a barter account is but judging by the tickets to the World Cup in Japan, the Champions League trips, the bus from Drumcondra at the Croke Park for a concert. I wouldn't mind being a beneficiary of a barter account. Absolutely. I'm telling you, it's it's uh, opened up a whole new world of possibility for us poor old working grunts in, in, in media. But yeah, I, you know, again, I think it's funny when you have these, I suppose, controversies and you know, as a political journalist, I've sat through a fair few packs and a fair few committees and, you know, I've seen greats like, um, you know, Angela Cairns and Roddy Malloy been put through their paces, you know. I was enforced firstly and then rehab at Angela Cairns. Rehab, exactly. Um, been put through their paces, uh, in, you know, a fairly robust fashion. And, you know, generally out of these, it's particular sums and figures that stick in people's minds. Um, you know, it'll be a, you know, X for maybe, you know, a hair, a hair, you know, a hairdo in Florida for a minister, or it'll be Y for, you know, rent, you know, hiring of a helicopter or something. And it, it's, 
when you have something that's a bit nebulous, you know, that, that there's loads of information, um, there's absolutely kind of all kinds of accusations and, you know, talk about this account and that account. The public tend to hone in on one or two things and things like X number for tickets for World Cup and so on. That's what sticks in the people's minds. They sort of breeze past. It's not that we're thick. We've just got an awful lot in our minds these days. But we tend, you know, the, I think the general public sort There's of things focuses you can relate in. to. Things we can relate to. And we're like, wow, you know, that's that's insane. I mean, these are, you know, we have often heard, the, you know, the great and the good and the brass from RTE up on some, you know, you know, in front of a camera saying, you know, we need more money. RTE is, you know, it's on its, uh, at death's door and it's on its last legs and so on. So that just chimes so badly then when you hear about Celtic Tiger stuff you know, you know, buses been, you know, to ferry people three feet down the road kind of scenarios from one end of Drumcondra to the other. You know, it's that sort of Celtic Tiger wastage that people have no time for and has seen off many people in the past. And I think people's tolerance of that kind of thing is is very limited. Owen, can I just ask you, we've been discussing this story. I first was in this studio last Thursday afternoon when it broke. It's now Friday evening and we're still discussing it. There are issues going on in Ireland. We had the homeless figures released this afternoon at a record high. Why are the public gripped by this story? I know we as insiders are gripped by it, but why is it taking hold in the public? I suspect it's a combination of the characters, let's call them, involved. You have a, one of the most significant semi-state organisations in RTE being involved. You have one of our most well-known and liked broadcasters at the heart of it. And then there is a, a financial aspect to it, which again kind of gives it a whiff of, let's find out more about it. I then think you'd have to say, is in terms of how it's been handled, has added to it. RTE seemed to have a have a knowledge of this information before they went public with it. But it would strike it that they didn't do any sort of communications planning in relation to it at all. They needed to sit down, Shuni Ratlig and others sit down and figure out what the hell has been going on here. And I think it was that Kipling had six friends, who, what, when, where, how and why, and sit down and say who, what, when, where, how and why. Because if you look at it, they didn't have those answers to those questions when the initial statement and interviews began to happen. You would then look at Ryan Tuberty's initial statement to say that was just god-awful and even the second one wasn't a whole lot better. Then Noel Kelly chipped in with a very similar one to Ryan Tuberty's first one and that wasn't great and then what we have had is a drip feeding of new information almost on a daily basis where at one point we were getting a statement every 15 minutes from RTE presenters telling us how much they were on and how much they weren't on and you had all of these different characters and at times different competing interests. So for example the RTE board, the RTE the executive board, they seem to be two factions within the one organisation. So you had all of these coming in, all of these ingredients coming in with characters that we knew, characters that we allowed into our homes, that we listened to every day, that we watched every week, and we're finding out stuff about them. And then there's that bit on, were we being told the truth? And that is this idea of the concealment of it, the secrecy of it, the fact that actually we still don't really know. I think that's part of what has gripped us, uh, Ian, and I think will continue to grip us. Well, let that be the last word for right now. Let's move on, Lise, because events in Paris this week and now across France are taking a turn from the worst, and that's following the death of a 17-year-old who was shot dead by a police officer in Paris the other day. And we now have protests and riots across Paris and, as I said, spreading to other cities. Yes, um, it doesn't look like this is going to tamp down, um, be tamped down anytime soon. Um, there's just been waves, further waves of arrest, arrests. They 
French government seemed to be caught a little bit on the back foot on this um, to a certain extent. 667 arrests so far. 667, exactly. And they they're now seem to be kind of gearing up. They've mobilised, you know, massive police presence now. I think they're mobilising at least 5,000 police gendarmes across Paris and 40,000 across the country. But they're... There's, there seems to be a kind of a, a also a sort of slightly change in this where it was initially sparked by, you know, by the, um, by the arrest, but the, um, the, uh, what's happening in the last, I think last night was we started to see, start to see a kind of people looting in the sort of, in the Paris, in sort of in the center of Paris, uh, looting, sh- looting shopping centers and so on. And there's a sense that it's, you know, it's changing slightly from a massive spontaneous protest against p- police brutality um, and other kinds of s- social frustrations and, uh, and to, you know, suspicion of the authorities and so on um, into something, a kind of a wider thing that will encompass a, a lot more groups, a lot more, uh, just a lot more people who are just have something to, to, to beef about. And we've seen in France before, you know, these things can spread. And the thing is, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm surprised as well that the, that any government is taken by surprise when something like this happens, when you have a situation where a young, you know, a 17 year old, 17 year old of African or descent uh, origin, um, you know, come, you know, this happens him because we've seen, this, we've seen this so many times in the States. I mean, we've had to, you know, we, you see this in the States where you have um, instances of police brutality followed by waves of arrest. You had George Floyd. I mean, you're going all the back way back to Rodney King. Mm. Um, and, you know, just the, you know, so when this happens, I mean, the, the fact that police, you know, governments and police are sort of caught on the back step by this, I don't know. I mean, Emmanuel Macron was at... Elton John? Yeah, I mean, Owen, when I spoke to Laura Marlowe yesterday about this, the reputation of the French police, not just as a of, of French national police, all that you hear is these people are racist and these people are systemically racist, something that has been accused of police forces in the UK and mm. the US. But it's the response to it, as Lee said, that the French government, well, they're, they're dancing an Elton, Elton John concert. Yeah, like, uh, you know, I don't care how much we might like Elton, going on Wednesday night, uh, as Emmanuel Macron did, isn't a good look and we would suggest he has his, has, hadn't got his priorities right. This, again, is something that we have seen happening in Paris before. Like, back in 2017, there were two weeks of riots. I think in 2005, there were three weeks riots. Uh, Lisa's mentioned the LA riots in the back of the Rodney King uh, murder back in 92, those riots in London back in 2011. And ultimately, where you would have to look at this and saying this is part of communities being separated this idea of them and us the forgetting of people, disaffected youth where we see unemployment high levels of deprivation and then you see uh, the the shooting of one of their community uh, by the police that there comes to a point that you can only be punched in the face so many times before you decide to punch back and that 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 isn't to excuse the rioting coming through but it is certainly helps us understand why it is happening and you then see people like, for example, Kylian Mbappe coming out condemning police brutality. And you can only expect this again to continue for a while. Now, the far right, for example, uh, and the right wing politicians are calling for states of emergency, uh, putting curfews in place. But they may not necessarily achieve what they're ultimately trying to do, which is to calm this down and for it to end. Because if we look and the dates just these go all the way back to 1979 of riots in, in, in France, this is going to be a thing that ultimately 
continues and continues and continues and is a problem. But I think ultimately, if it, for it to be resolved, what it has to be is a is a no longer looking at them. And I think it was a Sarkozy referred to them as trash and rats out in the banlieue that can't see this kind of separate community. That there has to be a unifying of communities, and that's something for ourselves in Ireland even to think about of how we treat everybody here. But you see it across the globe, and it looks like it's going to be continuing. Own Tomas McDermott and Elise Hand are staying with us. We'll be back in a couple of moments. And you're welcome back. Our panel to review the week's trending stories, our own Tomas McDermott from the Communications Clinic and Lise Hand. Lise, let's move on to our next story. And I think the last thing that this story needs is another male voice in it. <laughs> yes, uh, this, this week it was announced that um, the Women for Election group, uh, which promote, which which encourages and promotes and trains uh, women to run for uh, public office, they announced a new CEO, uh, Brian Sheehan, um, who was formerly uh, executive director of Glen, the Gay and Lesbian Equality Network. Um, and I get the impression that women are actually quite conflicted about this because on one level, anyone who sort of worked in the area of, of kind of um, gender equality, uh, gender rights and so on, and you know how good he is and how efficient he is and how effective he was and he was front and centre in the, in the marriage equality campaign. But at the same time, many have expressed puzzlement that a woman wasn't appointed in this role because the whole point um, of a group like that is that there is a huge need for uh, more women in prominent C- in C-suites, you know, and across a whole range of organisations and particularly in politics um, because... We have made some strides um, in that the area of having women, and particularly say in the Dáil, um, in say the, the Dáil and Shannon, but there's a long, long way to go, uh, and that's and that is a real issue. There has been improvement since gender quotas were introduced, and uh, which came into effect in the 2016 election for um, for the Dáil, um, and I and this and actually this year the num it now parties um, are encouraged to have 40% um, women running for office in the next general election. But the problem is that there's two problems, to be honest. One is that um, there's no gender quotas in place for the local elections. We have those coming up um, next summer, which, and there's there's absolutely literally nothing to encourage um, parties to actually go out and look for women and encourage women to run. And also they did change the rules the last time out for the 2020 election, whereby they turned from the stick, which was you guys are going to lose funding unless you actually meet your 30% targets, down to uh, we will withdraw some money to let you appoint an equality officer if you don't meet your targets. And what happens? The number of women that were on the ballot, on the bill, on the ballots and subsequently got elected dropped. So... I think whoever is in that role really has to pick up the ball on this one and bring back some kind of like stick and less carrot to try and concentrate the minds of political parties because they just will not come to the table on this. And really, you know, we're still lagging very, very far behind in terms of representation in Parliament. It's only about 30, just over 30% in the Dáil and less than 25% in local councils. And actually, as Brian Sheen himself pointed out, um, Ireland ranks, ranks 101st in the world for the participation of women in government, which isn't great. On to I want to move on from this story a little bit. I want to talk about Madonna because I can imagine on your Spotify when you go home, there's probably plenty of Madonna songs. And what well, could have been, uh, we could have been in for a tragedy of losing Madonna over the last couple of days, but she has been released from intensive care and is now recovering after a bacterial infection. 
Yes, you chose my specialist subject, Ian, uh, which would be Madonna um, and my appreciation of Madonna, should I say. Uh, I think Madonna, first of all, it seems very, very serious that she was in hospital since Saturday with a bacterial infection and ended up in intensive care and the tour had to be cancelled. So you would feel, first and foremost, on a very human level that she is doing okay. But also Madonna has achieved a huge amount in her 64 years on this planet where she's pushed boundaries both through music, through fashion, uh, art generally, and her songs have been really superb. So I, I would say you would hope to A, that she would get better very quickly and B, that she would get back on the road touring because again, we're starting to to see uh, more experience, let's call them, artists coming. We've mentioned Elton John and Macron boogie into him during the week. We had Bruce Springsteen coming to Ireland more recently and then down the road from me in Malahide Castle we had Sting and Blondie. So I, I think the more that we can get artists uh, and have an opportunity to see them live I think it's fantastic. But I really do hope that Madonna is on the mend sooner rather than later. I like the way that um Owen wants to use the word ex- ex- uh, experience rather than just old. But yeah, no, I, I, I have to say, um, yeah, I'm a, I, I'm a huge Madonna fan. I actually saw her live on the Who's That Girl tour, which was back in, in the late 80s, I think, uh, which ages me terribly. But I am younger than her. Uh, so, and you know, and she's an amazing live performer. She really is. And I don't know. Groundbreaking, like truly groundbreaking. I, mean, I know people now and younger people focus on, oh, Beyonce or Miley, Miley Cyrus. But like we are, our we're now talking somebody who paved the way for all of these artists. She really did. I mean, you know, going right back to, you know, Desperately Seeking Susan, the, the film, her sort of breakthrough film back, you know, really around the time that she was also breaking through as a musician. And, you know, she was the first person I ever, like, I ever saw the bra. Because, you know, she was going around with a black bra and a white shirt over it. And like, like nobody ever showed their underwear before. I mean, she kind of brought, you know, started that trend. And and by, and by just speaking of innovation, if any, if any of you haven't seen the the, the video in which she announced the celebration tour, it is absolutely hilarious. And it is definitely not one you'd crank up in the office, I better warn you all. But it features people like Lil Wayne and Amy Schumer, and it is absolutely brilliant. And if that's a kind of a hint of what is to come on the tour, I just really hope she gets back on the road really quickly. Yeah, because at a time when female artists, I'd always say at a certain age, well, we're cast off in favour while male artists continue on and on. You see Elton John, 76, playing at Glastonbury. Female artists don't get that longevity. Well, um, no, generally not. But uh, I'm delighted to hear Debbie Harry getting a shout out because, again, she's a personal hero of mine. And there are a whole range of, you know, a lot of tension tends to go on the kind of the whole younger generation of, of musicians and your Taylor Swifts and your Rihannas and so on. But I mean, I'm just, I'm an Isle Rock chick and I just love the fact that these women are still out there doing it and still actually showing that, you know, innovation isn't something that just sort of disappears once you kind of reach a certain age. I mean, they're really just giving a welly and I mean, I think the biggest problem for her, Greatest Hits Tour, I mean, where does she start? She has had so many amazing songs. And I would, I'm would. i just dying to see the set. I mean, the, the Who's That Girl Tour was when, that was the famous um, Jean-Paul Gaultier tour where, she, where he designed all the outfits where with the big conical uh, costumes, you know, sort of the boobs out in, in cones and all these kind of great outfits. And I mean, I'd just be totally excited. I mean, I'd be in the mosh pit. Well, it might be in the side of <laughs> Hopefully she is back to touring sometime soon. Now, Owen, I can imagine when in the next couple of weeks when the Barbie movie comes out, you're going to be under pressure to go to it. But you can actually have a real life Barbie house. 
Again, Ian, you've chosen my second um, <laughs> special subject, which is my appreciation of Barbie. And I think if you look at this, though, there is, it's a clear marketing play by Airbnb and the Barbie movie. There are, where Airbnb are offering one night stays uh, through a competition to stay in a Barbie dream house in California. And it is quite the house. It's very pink with a beautiful pool and what looks to be a great view. Um, but it, it, I think you would have to say it has already been a success. We're talking about Airbnb and we're also talking about the, the Barbie movie. And that is marketing gold for these organizations. We see other organizations doing it, whether it's Marvel and Audi or Coca-Cola and pretty much everything. McDonald's do a version of it. So it's that kind of long practice of marketing partnerships where they are getting, and both parties are getting the opportunity to promote themselves. And this is a prime example of it. This is a house, a massive hot. Hollywood Malibu house, sorry, Malibu in California house, the Barbie Dream house. It does look in the shocking pink. You'd certainly see it from a road lease. Would you pay to stay here with an Airbnb for a couple of nights? Well, no, I mean, I, I actually hate pink for a start. <laughs> so I would be having massive trauma even before I got to the front door. Um, look, it's, it's, it's a gimmick. And, but the thing that does worry me is that we're just going to see a huge amount of pink. I mean, I like the fact that the whole Barbie release is being sort of balanced out by also the simultaneous release of Oppenheimer, which of course is about, you know, death, destruction, destruction and, and nuclear bombs. And I think I'd be, I'd rather go and stay on a black house and bikini at all, I think, rather than go and stay in a Barbie house. We're, you know, we're scathing or we're being a bit cynical about the Barbie movie. It is going to be one of the biggest hits of the year and possibly even bigger than some of the other releases that are coming out there. Actually, speaking of people in Hollywood and celebrities and their collaborations, let's move on to Sean Diddy Coombs, who of course used to be Puff Daddy many years ago. He, like many people in the arts business, got involved in business, got involved in the whiskey business, got involved in the tequila business, and the vodka business and with Diageo and that relationship is coming to an end own. All of these collaborations somehow hit the rocks, but he is claiming that Diageo, which is the owner of Guinness, refused to market his brand products because of racism. Yeah, there are allegations of racism and then there are allegations of race uh, typecasting and he is saying that they only distribute it in particular urban areas and in in and of itself that is racist because they are targeting uh, specific parts of the community. Uh, obviously Diageo would refute these claims. P. Diddy is suing him, suing them and then Diageo have come out with some statements in relation to kind of how much they've invested in this uh, brand uh, of tequila they're saying they put in 100 million to it whereas Diddy only put in 1,000 now having said that I would argue that it is his marketing contribution and his fame is where uh, Diddy is contributing rather than the monetary aspect because it seems that they've made hundreds of millions from this brand and it does again as you touched on in the introduction to this story and it does tell you about the, the broker ability of fame and that fame is is monetizable and we see it with McGregor and Proper 12 you see it with Ryan Reynolds and Aviation Gin the I think Michael Jordan both have different tequilas and in this case Diddy and Diageo had found a way of making a fair chunk of change but like as you have said a lot of these the relationship has disintegrated 
Owen Tomas McDermott, thank you very much for joining us. And Lise Hand as well. We didn't get to go to South Korea, where this week there was a rule change that they now comply with international standards where everybody is a year younger. I think we would all on this panel, including <laughs> myself, firstly, wouldn't mind being a year younger. Owen Tomas McDermott from the Communications Clinic and journalist Lise Hand, thank you very much for coming in and running through all of those stories. Stay with us here on The Last Word. We're going to have a check on on the business news next. We're going to be finding out about the reopening of the first HMV store in Ireland in more than seven years. For coming back, we'll find out what they're hoping to do. Stay with us. Today FM's travel update with itsforwomen.ie. Source your car insurance anytime. Online with It's For Women. Focusing on Dublin first, take care passing a breakdown on the M50 southbound in the middle lane between Junction 4 Ballymun and Junction 5 Finglas. Traffic is back to the M1 interchange. The M50 northbound is busy from Junction 11 Tallaght to Junction 7 Lucan with rubbernecking delays further ahead after Junction 5 Finglas. Elsewhere, inbound traffic on Church Street is slow from Broadstone Bus Garage to the Quays with the North Quays full from Arne Quay to O'Connell Bridge. Switching to Limerick, the N69 westbound is congested from the Mungret Road Junction to Clorinda Village and finishing in Cork. Reports of a breakdown on the Dunkettle Interchange affecting westbound traffic remain. Take care passing. Mark Hogan to FM Travel. The last word with Matt Cooper and Life Pharmacy. You can order your prescription on our patient app. Life Pharmacy. Live better together. The car, the kitchen, or even doing the big shop. Raves can happen everywhere. Back with another one of those block rocking beats. AFM's block rocking beats with Deck Pierce. I'll soundtrack your rave every Friday night from 7 and Saturday night from 6 with the biggest and best dance anthems. You can also get block rocking beats in your ears 24 7 on the Today FM app. Today FM's block rocking beats with Lidl. Friday from 7 and Saturday from 6 on. Today FM. Nipping out to get bin bags. We've got some. Well, I'd better take the dog out. But we don't have a dog. Okay, okay. The Double Big Mac is back at McDonald's. Right? Get the keys. The Double Big Mac and the new Double Big Mac with bacon are here for a limited time. Don't miss it. <laughs> Available until the 1st of August. Served after 11am. Subject to availability. Participating restaurants only. The future's exciting, the future's electric, and you can experience it today in the all-electric Peugeot E208. Enjoy the stylish design, the advanced technology, and all the benefits of electric driving with zero emissions. Now with a year's free road tax, a three-year free service plan, a thousand euro eco bonus, and it's in stock right now. See the full range of alluring Peugeot EVs at your local Peugeot dealer, or book a test drive at peugeot.ie. Terms and conditions apply. Gallagher is Ireland's new name in van insurance. We work hard to get the best insurance for you. If your van insurance is due for renewal, call Gallagher today for a quote on 0818 222 400. Arthur J. Gallagher Insurance Brokers Ireland Limited Trading as Gallagher and Pulse Quote is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Tesco Double Cream. <laughs> yes. yes. Cut. That goes for both of you. Hundreds of prices cut. At Tesco, look out for the red price cuts logo in store and online. Shadow de Bois Claire. Oui. Yeah, au revoir, you cut. Oh, sacre bleu. Terms and conditions apply subject to availability. Prices may vary in express stores. Enjoy alcohol responsibly. Scammers are targeting people nationwide with fraudulent messages claiming to be from eFlow. These scams are becoming more common, more sophisticated and more likely to result in the theft of personal financial information. 
eFlow does not send links and text messages. If you receive a text like this, delete it immediately. eFlow has not been compromised or subjected to a data breach. Your information is safe. Let's keep it that way. For more, go to eFlow.ie. Escape to the Johnstown Estate Mead for a luxurious summer getaway where modern luxury meets Georgian elegance. Pamper yourself at our award-winning spa and unwind on the rooftop thermal experience. Satisfy your taste buds with delicious summer dishes and cocktails served on the outdoor terrace while soaking up the warm sunshine. Visit thejohnstownestate.com. The last word on business. With Fitzgerald Power, run your SME with reliable, efficient and personalised accounting services. FitzgeraldPower.ie Lorcan Allen from the Business Post is with us. Lorcan, I'll start with some of the better business news today before getting on to some of the less positive news. HMV, which many people thought disappeared from the high street many years ago, are back and opened their doors today. Yeah, that's right, Ian. A positive story for the Irish retail sector. As you said, HMV, the music and entertainment retailer, has opened its first new Irish store in over a decade. The retailer is returning to Ireland under new ownership after it opened a new store on Henry Street in Dublin City Centre today. It's the first flagship store that HMV has opened outside of the UK since its new owners came on board, and it will create 25 new jobs as part of uh, the move back to to Dublin. Um, Now, the new Dublin shop is split over three floors and it'll offer a range of products including vinyl album CDs and a range of other musical technology. Phil Halliday, the managing director of HMV UK and Ireland said the company has a rich history in Dublin and it cannot wait to welcome Irish customers back to its doors. Yeah, a bit of decent news for retail because of course this day a week ago we had the closure of those Argos stores. I want to move on now to Cork where a big development in Cork City has been given the go ahead and funding as well. Yeah, that's right. It was announced today that the European Investment Bank will provide 50 million euros for the development of the new Cork University Business School. Uh, Located right in the city centre of Cork, planning permission for the new building was granted uh, in May this year by Cork City County Council. And UCC said the new business school will contribute to a higher education quarter in and around the city. Um, which will complement the existing cluster of education buildings that it has in that part of Cork City. The new business school will bring in over 4,500 students and 225 staff into the city centre every day, which should provide a, a good economic boost for um, city centre retailers and businesses. And it's anticipated construction of the new building will start in May next year. Yeah, and given that the Irish universities are moving up the rankings, no doubt they will attract plenty of students from abroad. Now, you may need to explain this next story in a bit of detail to us because it's on the front of the Irish Times today and it's about what looked like a new mortgage company coming into Ireland that was going to be funded by Irish investors. They have been bought out by an Austrian company. What's going on here? Are we going to get a new mortgage lender in this country? Yeah, it's it's still been worked on, but um, basically, I suppose the news, as you say today, that was reported in the Irish Times is that Bawa Group, um, they're an Austrian bank, has re- acquired an Irish company called Moco. Uh, it's a startup company, uh, and it w- but it was eyeing a move into the Irish mortgage market. Some some listeners may remember Moco. Um, it was in talks with Unpost about launching uh, at one stage last year about launching a mortgage product into the Irish market. It's been trying unsuccessfully to get authorization. To to operate um, from the Central Bank of Ireland. Um, 
And, and that's kind of held the company back. At one point, it was valued at over 26 million euros. The Irish Times reports today that the company was bought by uh, Bawag, the Austrian bank, for just 35 euro. Um, however, so, so the people who backed it and saw that valuation, have they lost a lot of money? They've lost a considerable amount of money, multi-million euro investment. Um, as you said, at its peak, it was worth almost, valued at almost 26 million euros. And, and obviously by the transaction that the Austrian company has done, it, it, it looks like the, the company's value has been almost wiped out. But Bawag does look like it's interested in the Irish market. Um, I, I contacted the company today and, and they say that um, they believe they find the Irish market attractive. It has positive long-term macro fundamentals in terms of the housing market here. And I said it's currently in talks with regulators. So it looks like it is talking to the Central Bank of Ireland about getting a license for its new subsidiary, MoCo, and presumably with the intention of trying to become the first new entrant into the Irish 14 billion euro Irish mortgage market since both Ulster Bank and KBC announced their exit over recent years. Yeah, and that's the thing. We have seen the exit of two banks that sold mortgages. They're gone. Is it not unusual that somebody is interested given that other people are pulling out? It is quite unusual and um, the Irish market has, you know, it's down to three players essentially now um, and it's a small market. But I, I suppose what, as, as it said in its statement, uh, the Austrian bank, I mean, the fundamentals of the market are positive. And, and that's because I suppose the lack of housing here in Ireland, um, there's really strong appetite from first time buyers. We saw figures earlier this week from Banking Payments Federation that uh, mortgages to first time buyers are performing really strongly. So maybe the Austrian bank is thinking we can have a go at the Irish market. It's it's. A decent-sized bank. It has about 2.1 million customers in Austria. Um, so it's smaller than AIB and Bank of Ireland, but it is bigger than permanent TSP. So maybe it does think that we can have a go at the Irish market and, and see if we can crack it where others failed. And if they've only paid €35 Euro for this company, they, I suppose it doesn't it means that they, they won't lose a lot if it doesn't work out. I want to move on now to some figures which are showing... An increase in the number of companies which are insolvent, and this is a report out today by PwC. Yeah, some signs that stress is beginning to emerge among Irish businesses. New figures released today by PwC show the number of insolvencies, business insolvencies in Ireland uh, increased more than 50% in the first six months of this year. Now, it is coming off a low base, uh, but the consultancy firm identified over 320 business failures in the first half of this year, which is up from just over 200 in the first six months of last year. Um, now, that was when there was still quite a lot of government supports for businesses in place. Um PwC said the highest failure rates were in arts, entertainments and recreation sector, while there's also been a number of high profile insolvency cases in the contracting sector over recent months as you know construction businesses continue to grapple with high inflation and costs. Um, PwC said it expects failure rates to rise uh, for the rest of this year because there's still 6,000 businesses out there that would have availed of the revenues debt warehousing tax scheme and, and they still owe a combined 1.9 billion euros. So there's still a lot of debt, kind of tax debt out there on balance sheets and um, you know it's, it is anticipated that companies will will go into stress I suppose later this year. And briefly Lorcan I just want to go back to RTE it looks like they've lost one of their sponsors. Yeah, that's right. And maybe not surprising, uh, Central Parks UK and Ireland, the hospitality and leisure company, has informed RT that it will not be renewing its sponsorship of the Ryan Tuberty show on Radio 1 uh, when its current contract runs out later this year. The company took up a one-year sponsorship deal of the radio show uh, last November at a cost of €295,000, but it says it has no plans to renew the deal when it expires at the end of October this year. And, it, you know, it's more bad news for RT. Any rumours about other advertisers or sponsors? pulling out? 
It, it, uh, it's not surprising that there is more commercial companies. I mean, we see this with brands, particularly brand holders, that in the times of turbulence, you know, they want to distance themselves for from an organization that is facing these sort of um, questions over how it was operated commercially. So I think you're probably, Central Park certainly won't be the last uh, commercial company to maybe uh, pull pull back from RTE sponsorship and advertising over the coming weeks. Okay, Lorcan Allen from the Business Post, thank you very much for joining us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.